this is the thing I think for parents we've got to preoccupy ourselves with, not just controlling our children's behaviors, but helping equip them and prepare them for life, right? That's good. And so, you know, maybe some of the things that we were raised on, we have to assess and reevaluate. All right, guys. Welcome, welcome. Real Talk Phoenix podcast yes, episode three. Super stoked to be with you guys. Um, it's been an interesting week. Had my second child uh, Number a few two. days ago. Well, I didn't do much. My wife did. That's true. Everything pretty much. So, <laughs> Kate, you're awesome. Thank you so much for giving me a beautiful daughter. Um, so that's why our podcast is uh, coming when it does, but that just means that we're going to be producing even more stuff and as you can see we're in a new secret location yeah uh, instead of the old one and so we're super stoked for what we have to talk to you guys about today and so as you know our aim is to help you build connection and trust with any teenager you regularly engage with in your life and so today um, we wanted to go ahead and dive into something that's really important it's that season that's coming up yeah and what season is that, John? Holiday season. Holiday season, right? And what does that mean? That means that you're going to be spending time with family, family and friends. Yeah. Now, for some of us, that experience can be positive or negative, right? And so uh, for some of us, we're looking forward to Thanksgiving. We're looking forward to Christmas. We're looking forward to fall break, right? Getting a couple of weeks off school. Shout out to all the high schoolers that are going to be on fall break over the next couple of weeks. Yeah. But for some of us, we may be even dreading the holiday season coming up, right? Because right. uh, aunts and uncles that or cousins that we've fallen out with or fights that we know that are going to happen between our parents and our aunts and uncles, right? And so um, what mm -hmm. we wanted to do is just hone in on the reality of family, uh, talk a little bit about forgiveness, which I think we mentioned in our last podcast, but dive into that in a little bit more detail and then kind of give you guys uh, a, a pathway that we kind of use that's a part of our membership platform in terms of engaging your family uh, walking in forgiveness and building connection and trust amongst you guys so that you can have a uh, better connection. And then hopefully your family uh, season can be a little bit more enjoyable, a little bit more happy. Uh, you can make more memories or it can improve the goodness that you already are experiencing. And so uh, as we dive in, I thought we'd share a little bit about our experience. So I'm going to do what I do and ask John. So John, in your experience with your family, tell me a little bit about... Uh, what holiday season would look like. Yeah, um, to be honest, my family and I aren't super close the way most families are. But I will say this holiday season uh, for me definitely brings up a lot of memories because uh, the one family member that I was closest to, my mother, passed away a few years ago. And around this time, I, I tend to call back on those memories, uh, yeah. family memories, obviously. And so it's not even necessarily an issue of spending time and worried about the drama that might ha happen at, you know, family get togethers and things like that over the holiday. It's more just thinking about what I've lost and what I don't have anymore. Yeah. And then well, I didn't even think about that. Right. That could be exactly what holiday season is for some people who are listening. Yeah, for sure. And, and I, that's what I, I've always thought really motivated this whole forgiveness thing, right? As bad as people can be. And I'm not meaning to diminish anyone's suffering if they've gone through some some terrible trauma at the hands of a family member. That's totally understandable. But 
what I've seen a lot of times when I talk to people is the issues that they have with family and stuff that could be reconciled pretty simply, you know? Yeah. I don't say easy. I just mean simple. Like the issue of having a conversation, that's quite a simple thing, right? But not necessarily an easy thing. And so I think, you know, I think about that and I've tried really hard in my own family, you know, the family that I have left, my little sister also a few years back, you know, that's my only sibling uh, passed away suddenly as well. And so, yeah, there's been a lot of loss, but at the same time, it's really made me value the people that I have in my life. Yeah. But the, the weird part about it is, is that I found that getting into that relationship and having the depth of relationship that I want, that that takes work. And I yeah, think yeah, forgiveness yeah. is a, a big part of that. Crucial part. Yeah, it's right. I mean, I'm, even as you say that, to, to have that kind of depth of relationship you want with a family member or a friend for that matter, a parent, parent having it with their teenager, there has to be this like intentionality to it. It can't just be something that you think is going to happen just because you're related to each other, right? Mm. It's going to happen because both of you guys potentially participate in like trying to build that kind of relationship or at least one of you starts the process of intentionally trying to build that relationship, Absolutely. right? And then as a consequence, what happens is the other person might participate or begin to participate and then you really begin to build the kind of relationship that you want to have. And so I thought it's super interesting that yeah, man, I didn't even rem- remember that as we were kind of starting this. Wow, yeah, you've experienced a lot of um, heartache and trauma, man, in this area in particular. And so uh, that season can be, uh, this season can be a really different experience for you than it is for me, obviously. Mm-hmm. You know, I come from a broken home, so my parents were separated. So growing up, it was kind of weird. It was kind of like this total war between whose house I was going to be at. You know, kind of like, oh, sure. my dad's like, oh, you're coming over on Christmas Day. And I'm like... I don't know what I'm going to do. You know, I'm going to go to my dad's on Christmas Day. I'm going to go to both on Christmas Day. I'm mm-hmm. going to spend Christmas Day with somebody else completely entirely, right? Like, neither my mom yeah. nor my dad. And so it was like mm-hmm. this really interesting, weird experience. And now even being married and having kids when I'm, you know, at home in England and the same thing happens, you know, my mom, I'm at my mom's house usually. And then my dad's like, hey, you coming over for Christmas? You know, in England, we celebrate Boxing Day the day after Christmas. It's what we call it. So, <laughs> you know, usually I go. To What's his it house called? Box- Boxing Day. So do you fight with each no. other? So, okay. That's what it would be in America. Random, it would actually be fighting. But from what I understand, <laughs> the reason why it was coined Boxing Day is because on Boxing Day, what happened, what used to happen is people would package food and send it to other countries or other places, that's right? Cool. The day after Christmas. So I think that's why they called it Boxing Day. I'm sure if I'm wrong, somebody who listens to this isn't going to correct me. They're going to charge so you. So we'll up. find it in the comment section somewhere, no doubt. But I'm okay with, with right, learning sure. too. So, so anyways, Boxing Day. Yeah. So that was a, a, a really uh, interesting experience. And so it was kind of like this just this this sense of like a division and like having to choose one parent over the other and always feeling like you were letting a parent down by going with the other parent, if that kind of made sense. Yeah. And I was also having a conversation about this on Wednesday uh, with a student who had mentioned that her parents, she caught an email chain between her parents basically talking about how um, they're they're trying to get her to live with them. So each one is fighting for custody. And the reason they want that is so they can get the child support from the other parent. Goodness. And so she's, she's in the midst of this and feeling like, man, neither of my parents care about me. So as I even think about her, she's probably not looking forward to this holiday season either. Um, right. And so, yeah, man, it's just, it's just interesting to think about and process through what people might be experiencing at this, in this juncture at this season. And for some people, uh, the experience may not be as catastrophic or as far-fetched as what we're talking about, but yeah, it may just sure. be simply dreading seeing that family member or, 
you know, a parent dreading seeing, you know, dreading having to engage their team in the way that is necessary during the time that that person is not, that team's not at school, right? Right. So, yeah. Huh. You know, I do think, though, the holiday season can be um, a time of healing as well. Yeah. Because if you look, if you think about it, you can anticipate the drama that's going to happen. That's true. But if you already know what's going to happen, it can kind of help you formulate a plan. And like I've said, if you're able to get in that headspace already where you value the person, you realize that there's some distance between the two of you or there's some offense that's between the two of you, rather than just letting that thing stay there. And I think that this is what losing a loved one will really teach you as much because you don't want to live with regret. You don't want to think, man, if I had one more day with that person, could I have just gotten over the things that I needed to get over? Mm. And nothing clarifies that for you more than death. Wow. Right? And so if we are conscientious of the fact that that's really going to happen in everyone's life, then wow, it's a good really, point. Right? It, it makes us yeah. reevaluate our relationships. Yeah, our priorities, right? Because we, we, take, we take for granted the fact that this person's in our life, right? Exactly. Man, that's good. I didn't even think about that. Yeah. You know, and I think that that's one of the things that we've forgotten just in, in modern culture, the preeminence of death, mm. you know, with technology getting the way it is and yeah 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 we don't even medicine right you know and and in some regard i mean you don't want to walk around thinking the sky is going to fall all the time but definitely when it comes to relationships i think it's helpful to be conscientious of those realities yeah you know and to, to make it a motivator yeah so how do you feel like uh or how how do you feel how important is forgiveness in in terms of the family unit so Mm -hmm. like how is it important? How important is it, sorry, for us to walk out in forgiveness in terms of our family members? Sure. I, I would say it, it's got to be right up there in the top three or five. You know, I would, yeah. I would, I'm tempted to say it's like the top one. Yeah. I know better than that, and, and I'm not an yeah, expert yeah, yeah. by any means. I'm just pulling on my personal experience from my life and from my family. I think a lot of what happens, you have these expectations when you get married and what relationships will be like, Mm. what your children are going to be like, what your family life is going to be like, what your economic status is going to be like, what all of these things are going to be like. And that's perfectly fine because we're rational beings. We're people who plan and and work our plan uh, the best we can for the most part. Even if the plan is just to wake up and you know, get some clothes on that's still, you know, coming up with an idea of what you're going to do for that day. Yeah. So I think when we, when we consider all those things and take Mm -hmm. that into account, especially as it regards relationships, we've got to ask ourselves, like, what do I plan for this relationship? Do I plan to make everyone around me perfect where I don't have any problems? Yeah. That's a bad strategy. Yeah, it's true. Right. Mm -hmm. Because what ends up happening is you're either successful in that and then everyone around you is on pins and needles yeah, because you've right, you know, they you've achieved your ability to control people's response. Um, but have you achieved intimacy? Have you achieved connection and closeness? That's good. Right, and yeah. and for people to be able to be themselves around you also means that those people have to be able to make mistakes. Yeah, 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 yeah. And when they make mistakes, typically those mistakes aren't even necessarily good or bad righteousness or sin right it's i don't like what you did because that bothers me yeah 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 yeah. yeah. and so i think if we're conscientious of that and we can be aware 
then we can recognize that not only do I need to perhaps forgive this person, but I may also have to ask for forgiveness. That takes an incredible amount of humility. Yeah, it does. Because forgiveness is not just a one-way street, right? It's transactional. We mm-hmm. offend and we're get, we get offended. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so for us in our family, I feel like one of the foundational things that keeps our intimacy alive, that keeps our relationships going when we hit those speed bumps, obviously conversation, but just this understanding of human frailty and that we all make mistakes. Yep. And that we're as a family unit trying to achieve intimacy together, not just yeah, in isolation. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's something that you we're trying to move towards as a goal, right? Yeah. Does that make sense? No, it does. And I think something you you alluded to that's really important is this reality of like when we're trying to build these relationships is not just about the wrong that's been done to us, but it's about the wrong that we've been that we've done. Sure. And when we uh, are honest and take stock of that reality, then what it does is it allows us to move towards the person that we're trying to engage with a little bit more grace, right? And a little bit more understanding because we understand that we have shortcomings and we fail too. And so we're not just coming towards them acting like, you know, we don't stink and they're the only ones that do. (laughs) But we recognize like, yo, I got some stuff going on too. And it's it's not everything is working out or great for me in my life. And there are areas where... I'm really good and there are areas where I'm not so good. And so I recognize that this may just be a place for you uh, that's not so good. And I need to be graceful and forgiving in that area, understanding that you need to do the same for me in the areas where I'm weak. And so yeah, that's good, man. as we move through this, we kind of wanted to give you guys kind of a, a little framework that we use. Uh, so we created something um, a few months ago called uh, the RLTK or the Real Talk Phoenix Uh, tribe membership and the whole idea behind that was how can we help uh, parents have better connection and uh, conversations with their teenagers about the things that matter like deeply uh, worldview shaping topics you know issues of our day that we're all wrestling through all talking about or teens are in particular amongst themselves how can we help parents uh, have those conversations with their teenagers because we believe parents are supposed to be the primary influence over their child's destiny so how can we help with that uh, and give uh, parents the, the resources that they need to have those conversations and in the midst of it build connection and trust and a part of that is something that we created that we called uh, a success path and the whole idea behind that was how do we um, ha- how do we help people understand what it is that we create and um, how it will work for them and then how they can track their progress through it and so we came up with um, four things that they need to do which is uh, assess mm-hmm. listen reconcile and build so we just want to take a few minutes to kind of uh, walk through those. And so um, obviously assess is pretty simple, assessing of self, right? And so I think like we just said, mm-hmm. it's real easy to assess the other person and figure out what's wrong with them real quick. Yes. But in terms of taking a moment and uh, assessing self and reflecting on self and what's going on on the inside of you, what you're feeling, what you're experiencing, where are the, the areas that you're strong, where are the areas that you're weak? So, John, my question to you is, why is self-assessment even important? Self-assessment for me is super important because, like I was saying earlier, there's things that I do to offend. Mm -hmm. And when I offend the people that I love, sometimes I'm not aware of the thing that I'm doing. Yeah. And I'm getting mad at everyone around me because they're acting the kind of way. And I'm like, why are you acting this way? Mm. And then what will typically happen is normally an argument will happen or some kind of emotional outburst or things like that. And then it comes out, you reacted this way, 
this is what happened, this is why I'm offended. Yep. And normally what will happen for myself and, and for others that I've met that I've had this similar conversation with, that they're like, man, sometimes I make mistakes and I, and I offend people and I'm not even aware that that's what I'm doing. Yep. And so I think it's helpful in the assess portion what we're talking about is to kind of just take a step back, think of some of the conversations that you've had, the arguments, the the family drama, whatever, where something comes up and it typically is a routine thing that either your children or your partner or your loved ones, whoever it is in your family, are saying, man, you always do this, you act this way, and this is what sets us off, or this what this is what disturbs the family. And so as I assess those things, what I'm doing is I'm, as I'm asking myself, okay, my family or, or my loved ones are saying this, and at that point, I want to hear what they're saying and drop anything inside of me that attempts to justify why I'm doing what I'm doing. I'm really mm. just trying to hear their feedback. That's good. And I'm really just trying to take all that in and kind of put myself in their shoes for a minute and think, how would I feel if someone were speaking to me the way I'm speaking to my family? Yeah. And so for me, I try to put myself in their role and I try to think, you know, the whole golden rule, you know, do unto others as you would have them doing to you, right? Yeah, that's good. And so, um, yeah, I think ultimately when you assess, and, and obviously if, if you're saying I want to improve the conversational dynamics, my relationship, whatever, there has to be a healthy self-assessment that's honest, that's not just trying to make yourself look good, Yeah, yeah that yeah, you can yeah. justify yourself and assessment. Mm. Yes, perfect, good, 10 you know, if that's the approach that you're taking in the assessment, that's really the wrong approach. Yeah, 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 yeah. I agree. So does that make sense? How no, kind it does. Of, I'm not saying you want to degrade yourself or beat up on yourself, but what I'm saying is if there are conversational loggerheads that you're at with your family or just relational toughness or like we're talking about, a need to forgive and move on to enjoy holidays and family relationship, mm -hmm. all of that stuff, mm -hmm. if you understand that there's difficulty, you want to own your part of that. Yep. That's all we're trying to say. Yep. Yep. And I think, so, uh, yeah, assess. yeah, I think as you, as you're talking, you even touched on a little bit of, uh, the listen portion, which we'll dive into even more in just a second. But as I think about assess, it's this like stepping back and kind of like really thinking on who you are. And, uh, you know, there's times where mm -hmm. we're having a conversation with a loved one and something they say sets us off. Right. <laughs> yes. And it may not necessarily be quite often. Yeah. <laughs> Truth. <laughs> It may not even necessarily <laughs> be, right, that that person said something to upset you. Exactly. It's just that for whatever reason, maybe because of something you experienced in the past or because you're having a bad day and you're frustrated yep. anyway about something completely different, mm -hmm. you decided to respond by taking out on that person. Well, why, why is that? What is it that's going on on the inside of you that will cause you to respond that way? Why mm -hmm. is it when you hear certain things from your teenager or certain things from your parent, friend, whoever it is, that it, it, it sets you off. Like, what is it about mm -hmm. that that makes you feel the way that it does? How does it make you feel, right? And as you yeah, start to reflect on that stuff yeah. and really figure out, like, what's going on on the inside of you and, you know, what story mm. you're living out of. Because the reality is, right, That's we all have our own man. stories, right? Yeah. And we all have our own experiences and things that we've been through, through throughout our, our lives. Hmm. But those experiences shape our responses towards other people, including our family members, right? Those That's things right. don't stay in a box. Our stories are what make us who we are. And our stories are what basically shape us into who hmm. we are presently and also what we'll become in the future. And so 
if we're not self-aware enough to know that that's the case and then also evaluate those things, good and bad and ugly, what we end up doing is responding to people out of parts of our story that we haven't uh, become self-aware about yet. And that can be extremely detrimental to the relationships yeah, we're true. trying to have, right? We end right, up sabotaging true. those relationships because we haven't evaluated whether the things that we're living out of are the right things to live out of, right? Mm. And so, for example, if I, you know, my parents were divorced. So, you know, a narrative for me is like, you know, I don't want to be like my dad or, you know, um, anytime somebody says something difficult or doesn't do what I that's want them true. to do, I'm like, oh, I guess they're going to abandon me, right? Yeah. Now, that's not necessarily true. It's true. And man. that will cause me to respond in a certain way. It might be like, well, hey, I'm going to press the eject button first before you do. Right. right. And then it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. And that person just <laughs> didn't want to go to a restaurant with me that night. And That's now we're it. not friends anymore <laughs> because I felt like they were going to abandon me. Right. You know what I'm saying? Hmm. Or, you know. It's, it's so much more than yeah. just the event that's happening. Exactly. The There's all this stuff that's intertwined in that moment that makes that moment what it is. But mm -hmm. we haven't taken the time to reflect and assess. And so as a consequence, we don't know. And we just live out of that stuff subconsciously yeah. not knowing that it's affecting our relationships with our family members and what we really desire is to be connected to them but because of all this junk mm -hmm. we don't get it right because we're living out of that mm -hmm. instead of living out of wholeness and health yeah i think too just to add on to that i was as you were speaking i was thinking that something that i've seen too before is with parents they've lived a lot more life than their children mm. so there's a real temptation by the parent to get into kind of a self-righteous mentality concerning the direction that they're giving their children yeah where it's like they can't even hear what their child is trying to say to them mm. it's kind of like the whole you know when you complain to your parents and they're like hey don't talk to me i used to have to walk 10 miles uphill in the snow when i went to school right like those things may be true those situations that parents went through may have actually happened but do we have to have a self-righteous attitude about it when we deal with our kids? And what I mean by self-righteous is that we are thinking that our perspective and our view on a situation is the final, this is the way it was, this is the way it's going to be, this is the way it's always been. And when you assess that, is the goal simply to get your children to see things the way you saw it and do things the way you did it and mm -hmm. replicate the step? Or is it, to, is it, is it, an attempt to help them achieve the thing that God's called them to or whatever they want to achieve with their life, right? This is the thing I think for parents we've got to preoccupy ourselves with, not just controlling our children's behaviors, but helping equip them and prepare them for life, right? That's good. And so, you know, maybe some of the things that we were raised on, we have to assess and reevaluate. That's good. All right. So now we want to move on to uh, the next portion that we had for you guys and this is the listen phase and um, we kind of touched on it a little bit earlier the idea of listening to um, the significant other the teen the parent that you're trying to uh, rebuild that relationship with um, that trust that connection and um, John kind of touched on it a little bit earlier it's kind of like this reality of I need to listen to that person what are they thinking what are they feeling when I have conversations with them and I say certain things what are they experiencing as I say those things right because remember, on the flip side, we just talked about the reality that as I interpret things, I interpret those things a particular way, right? Now, the same is true for the person you're trying to engage in conversation with. So perhaps the reality is that there may be certain things that you say and do that need to change. 
But we can't know that unless we take the time to really truly listen to that other person. And then there's also the reality as well that I may think that what I am doing is a really good thing. Right. But for what, what if for the person that I'm doing it for, it's not. Then what becomes important? Does it become important for me to be right and for the thing that I'm doing to be right in my eyes? Or does it become important for the thing that I'm doing to not be right for the sake of the person that I'm trying to connect with? And perhaps it causes me to change a behavior that I have or an attitude that I have mm-hmm. for the sake of connection, trust, relationship, and deep, meaningful conversation with that significant person. Right. And I think that's what listening really does. It helps you play the long game. Yeah. Because you've got to establish trust in any relationship. And if there's an offense, we've, we've talked about you know, all of this in the context of forgiveness and, and how, how to overcome an offense when it happens. Yeah. And I think the way that you, you do that is you take the time to listen to the other person. What I found a lot of times when people have conversations with one another, it's really just an attempt to like talk about it, sweep it under the rug, and get over it. But what happens when you really have conversation and mm. when you really continually listen to a person over and over and over again, yeah. what happens is that your preconceived notions of who they are, your judgmental aspects inside of your mind of the caricature of this person that yeah, you've already yeah, yeah. created, yeah. it starts to crumble. If yep. you really have conversation, if you really listen, and then what happens is you learn who that person actually is in reality and you're able to understand from that point how to progress in the relationship. So listening, what I see with a lot of people is they listen to be able to find the flaw in the other person's thinking. So they can be right. So that they can be right mm-hmm. and so that they can solve the problem in the relationship quickly. Yep. Again, relationships, some things are solved quickly. Some things you just have to play the long game in. Because again, you're establishing trust, you're establishing rapport, and if that's already been broken where a fence has entered in or you've done a particular behavior over and over and over again you feel like you've lost the confidence of your teen sometimes your teens don't say that they just stop coming to you for stuff that's true they just stop Mm. referencing you that's a good point right and parents are like yo why is my teen not talking to me why are they not sharing with me well most people think everything's cool because their teenagers not talking to them well there's a problem they let me know that's true and that's a generational shift right because, and what is, you know, what's the one thing that we yeah. see on social media that teenagers love to do? Communicate. It's true. So if they're silent to their parents, that should be a red flag. That should be an indicator. Wow. Not all the time, you know. Yeah, it's a good point. It's like, yeah, I'm just thinking about um, one of the things that I do is I, I, I'm on, obviously, social media, jumping a lot of parent groups just to see and hear and listen to what parents are experiencing. Hmm. Uh, and so many times I'm in a parent group and I hear a parent say, man, I... I uh, thought my teen was doing great and then next thing i know i find out they're sending nudes to dudes in schools or vice versa or whatever else and it's like they're completely shocked and like they their world is falling apart because they Mm -hmm. have no idea that their teenager their tween or whatever is engaging in this kind of behavior right sure and like it genuinely shocks them and and i'm just like yo how could you not know it's because they're not communicating right yes that is yeah it's good man that is really yes. good. Hmm. So, yeah. And it's not that you can, there's no magic pill that you can take to become the perfect No, that's parent. true. You know, I mean. And that's I'm, the point, right? Right. That's the point. That's why conversation becomes so important because it's a two-way street. Yeah. Because neither of the people in the conversation are perfect and both are searching for the same thing, right? Hmm. And so 
we have to do it together. And that means there has to be this level of vulnerability mm. and sharing and listening. And obviously we're talking about listening, this reality of like actually hearing what the person in front of you has to say about you, what they really think, what they really feel, mm-hmm. creating a space where uh, they actually feel safe enough to do that. Like, think about that. If you can actually get your teenager to share with you what they really think and what they really feel, there is something that you're doing as a parent, as a guardian, as a leader, that is incredible to yeah. bring a teenager to that space where they can feel like they trust you enough to share with you who they really are and what they really think. There's something that's happening there that's right. Now, that doesn't mean that every single decision they make is going to be right. right. And that doesn't mean that now they're going to be perfectly behaved and do everything you want them to do. But it does mean you have a real relationship with them. And right. that's the foundation for that And it means that they're going to come to you. Yep. And it means they're going to listen too. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like you've, you've built something into the relationship. You've built that trust in where yep. they feel like they can listen to you and they can share with you. And, um, you know, you're going to respond in by helping them. Because once again, what is it? You recognize that like, hey, I have shortcomings too. Hey, I've messed up too. Hey, right. I've made bad decisions too. And so as we, we do this listening thing, right, we can listen to that person's story and experience their story. And then that can help us make sense of why they behave the way they behave, but also why they respond to the things I say the way they do. Right. And now that gives me the fodder I need to move on to the next point, which would be to reconcile, right? And so sure. I think the reason... Just to, to, to dive into this a little bit, I think the reason why this is so important is because in our culture, right, uh, especially in the West, we kind of we kind of uh, live out of hierarchy. And so, like, if you look at... What is hierarchy? What so, basically, there's always people on top of people, right? There's always a group of people and a person managing them, and then a group of people and a person managing them, and then people managing them, people managing them, mm-hmm. right? Then you get to the CEO, and the CEO has a board, right? And they manage the CEO, or the CEO has to report to the shareholders or whatever it is. Yeah, the chain of command, the hierarchy, the system, the way that we have organized our organizations to be formed and to move and operate a particular way. Well, obviously that's seeped into the way that we do relationships in our homes, right? So fundamentally, the parents are on top of the hierarchy, right? Because they're the parents. And so because we live out of this, this, uh, this this reality in our, our other systems outside the home, we begin to live out of it inside the home as well. And so a lot of times in these situations, it makes it it makes sense for the parent to just be like, hey, this is the way the world works. Mm. I pay the bills. I run stuff. This is the way it's going to be. And this is what you're going to do. And if you don't like it, you know, you can get out. Or if you don't like mm. it, you're going to be grounded for six months. And I'm not saying that there isn't this reality that, um, you know, our teenagers need to be challenged or experience consequences for their actions Absolutely. or be grounded or be punished or any of those types of things. All of mm-hmm. those things are necessary. But I think that needs to be built on the foundation of relationship, right? And so mm-hmm. when we don't have that, um, stuff goes awry. Now, the reality is what needs to happen is I need to take the power that I've been given by society as the parent, right? The person who's running things and leading things and use that to serve my son or my daughter, right, to serve my mm-hmm. team. And what does that mean? I demonstrate to them the way I want them to behave. Mm-hmm. So if I want them to be vulnerable, it would make sense that I would have to be vulnerable with them first as the leader, right, as sure. the one in charge, right? If I want them to be forgiving and loving and kind, then I need to demonstrate that to them. And mm-hmm. so this whole idea of reconcile is basically now you can take the information from the way that you've assessed yourself and the way that you've listened and say, okay, how can I move towards 
my teenager? How can I move towards the person I'm trying to build this uh, deep, meaningful relationship with in ways that's going to foster connection and trust? Mm. So where can I apologize? Uh, where can I ask for forgiveness? Where mm. can I show more love? Where can I show more kindness? Where can I sacrifice the things that I want for the things that they want to demonstrate to them, hey, I really care about you. Where can I, where can I do a better job of listening? Mm. Where can I do a better job of being more interested in the things that right. they're interested in, right? And so now I've taken the power that society has given me as a parent, and I think rightfully it is yours, right? You're sure. the parent. But now I'm using it to serve my teenager, and it, it shifts the paradigm a little bit. Right. And it makes now, them kind of in charge in a way. It, it, I think, well, it's kind of like I love what you say, it right? Feels if that I way. give my kid the TV remote, does my kid now own the TV? No. Right. I've just given them the remote so they can change the channels. It still sure. belongs to me. Right. You know what I'm saying? And so I'm giving them a sense of like control. Yeah. But I don't I don't think it's about control as much as it is about being valued as a person. And I think right. that communicates to teenagers mm. that they're valued as a person, right? That they have something to say, that they have something to contribute, mm-hmm. right? That they're not just somebody who has to do mm. what I say, but they're actually a valuable member of the That's family so good, unit. Man. And that they have something to contribute to the family unit and that their voice matters, that their life matters, right? Yeah. Like I harp on this a lot. It's not just about what we say, it's about what we do. It's not just about what we say about our structures and our systems and our organizations, but do our systems and our structures Mm -hmm. and our organizations actually communicate what we say in their operation, right? And so if if we say we love our kids and we care about the things that they care about, but all we demonstrate is that we don't by our actions, right? And the way that we conduct ourselves and our attitude in the house and outside the house, sure. then they're obviously going to take that as and truth how do you think and that not what you say as truth. Them. Well, I think it gets they communicated. Like they, they feel like they're not loved. Is it through the attitude the parents have when they correct a the behavior that you've noticed? I think it can or? be all of those things, right? It can be Because I think most parents, even though the tactic that they're using when they correct their child is perhaps unloving or communicating the wrong thing. I'm certain that 99% of parents, that's coming from a place of love for your teenager. Yeah, for sure. But once again, it comes back to the reality of your own story, right? So if I've been taught that this is the way to love and correct somebody, right? Mm. But it may not necessarily be the best way to actually love and correct somebody. I can believe that the thing that I'm doing is totally in the best interest of my child. Mm -hmm. And I like feel joy and love as I do this thing for their best interests. Sure. But that's not what's being communicated to them. And once again, the generational gap. Well, you've taken the time to discover that. Yeah, but if you haven't, then what happens is you just do it anyway and you don't really know whether it's having the desired effect that you want it to, Mm. right? Because you haven't taken the time to really figure out if that's the case. Is Mm. this thing really helping you? Do you really understand what I'm doing? Do you really understand why? Do you really understand that it's that I love you and care Mm. for you? And, and want what's best for you, mm-hmm. right? And so it'd be interesting. I mean, I'm even thinking about this right now. What if, um, you know, mm-hmm. teens were more involved in the consequences or the discipline process for themselves? You know what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. hey, how do I, how, you know, this, what kind of discipline should I give you and why? Sure. You know what I'm saying? And and I, when I've seen that, it's actually pretty interesting. Right. I mean, I was having a conversation just on campus the other day. Um, about family once again and I asked these teenagers like yo uh, you know why don't you share with your parents or we don't trust them they're just going to discipline us they're just going to you know tell us that we're wrong 
And I'm like, well, should what they if you trust are you? Wrong? <laughs> should they trust you? And they were like, actually, no, our parents shouldn't trust us. And if I was a, a parent of my uh, a teenager, I wouldn't trust them either. And so it was really interesting mm. that as I gave them the opportunity to like evaluate their own behavior. That's a good point. They recognized that their own behavior wasn't the best behavior that they mm-hmm. needed to partake in, and they probably should stop doing the things that they're doing that's and do good. other stuff. And, and that's one of the things I've discovered, too, with the conversations I've had with teenagers before. We think that our teenagers stay away from us because they're just so happy to live the way that they're living or do the yeah. things that they're doing. Yeah. The reality is, is many of them feel ashamed for what they're doing, and they feel stuck. And they're afraid that if they talk to their parents about what's really going on, that their parents won't listen. This is what we've been talking about. Or yeah. that their parents will just lose their mind yep. over the situation. Yep. So what happens, what we've got to realize that's happening a lot of times, it's not that the teenager is enjoying the place that they're at. Mm-hmm. It may appear that way. Yeah. But the reality is that sometimes they've done things, they know it's wrong, like you're yeah. talking about. Yeah. And they just feel ashamed of it, and they don't yep. feel like anyone other than their friends would understand. Yeah, it's true because they're. And doing so, the how same can things. the blind lead the blind? How can two people who are ashamed help each other out, other than just to wallow in that shame? Yep. Literally, these conversations, parents have the ability to rescue their children from a life of shame. That's good, man. Right. Or pour it on. Or exactly, that's good. It's profound. Man. Hmm. And so, reconciling super important. How can we move towards them, start to rebuild that bridge? Mm-hmm. We go across first, and then they start coming across second. Mm-hmm. And then who knows what can happen from there? Well, we do know mm-hmm. what happens from there. Connection, trust, transformation, honest conversation, mm-hmm. real, real forgiveness. Because at some point, yeah. right, the relationship between a parent and a teen has to transition from just, hey, do what I do, to, hey, I'm trying to give you wisdom and mm-hmm. understanding so that you can live in the world and be your own person and make good decisions, right? And so mm-hmm. when is that transition? It's like as a parent, you don't just prepare the road for your children. You prepare your children for, for the, the road, road. Yeah, right? I read that somewhere, Barney or someone once, but it just always resonated with me that we've got to be forward thinking in terms of equipping our children to head on, to take life head on. It's good, man. And then Especially you those into- teenage years are so close to adulthood. Yeah. And then you get into the build phase, right? Which is like, hey, we've rebuilt this bridge now. Mm. And now we can both start to walk across it. So now we can start to have conversations about things that matter, right? Now we can start to have the conversations about Mm. what's really going on in your life. uh, How things are really going. What's really going on with you and your boyfriend or your girlfriend. What's really going on with you in your school? Are you being bullied or not bullied? You know, what's going on with sex and all those different types of things mm-hmm. that are happening in this day and age, right? How are you engaging on technology? Who are you when you engage with it? Now we can start to have those real conversations, right? About real issues because we built the bridge. We have trust. We can share with each other and be vulnerable with each other yeah. and give wisdom to one another and help one another grow, right? It's not just, yeah. hey, I'm the parent. I'm teaching the team. But actually your team can teach you things about the world too. And you can both mm-hmm. grow That's together, very true. right? Now, the, the, the level of teaching and what's being taught is going to be different, right? Sure. But once again, both feel valued. Both feel like they are bringing something to the table. And I think that can build something that, you know, basically keeps a family unit together for years to come, right? Mm-hmm. And so as I think about uh, the holiday season, as I think about, you know, whatever your experience may be 
whatever you may be uh, going through, like uh, my homie John here, you know, it could be a good experience, it could be a bad experience. I uh, hope that whatever family you do have that you're able to connect with, you connect with them. And who knows, perhaps this is what you needed to hear in order to go mm -hmm. and engage that family member that perhaps you haven't engaged in a, a long time. Or perhaps it's what you needed to hear to go and engage your teenager in a way you haven't engaged them in a long time or perhaps never mm -hmm. engaged them in. And if you haven't, that's okay. Um, you know, there's no, there's no greater time like the present, right? To go ahead and engage in those conversations. And um, just to wrap it up here today, um, obviously we want to share with you a little bit of our perspective as Christians. You know, the reality is that when it comes to family, there's, uh, there's brokenness mm -hmm. and there's hurt and there's pain and there's suffering in all of our stories. And the reality of that is true because of this thing that we call sin, right? Uh, this thing on the inside of us that causes us to do things that we know we shouldn't, mm -hmm. right? And that thing that we know causes us to do things that we shouldn't has also disconnected us with our creator, right? And so we're disconnected from our creator and we're disconnected from each other. And so that's why we see this fragmented uh, thing happening in our relationships. That's why we see the things that are going on in our world and we say, man, that's evil and that shouldn't be happening. And people shouldn't be doing that to one another. But mm -hmm. that thing that's out there is also on the inside of us. It's why we lie, cheat, steal, mm -hmm. um, take advantage of each yeah. other. And so ultimately, I think that everything we've said today is helpful and good and right. But the thing that you need at the center of that is a relationship with, with God, a relationship with Jesus. And once you have that at the center and then you start to move out in this stuff, um, you can see incredible transformation happen in your family. You can see in incredible things happen between you and the teenager. And ultimately, mm -hmm. what does it help you realize? This reality that like, it's not your job to change your teenager's heart, right? That's something that God can do. Mm -hmm. Now, what we do is we engage in conversation, love, give wisdom, and give discipline when needs be, right? Because that's just one of those things. But what we don't want to do is just quell behavior and there be no heart transformation, right? What we want to see is genuine transformation, genuine growth on the inside of that that person. And obviously, we believe that comes through faith. Yeah, man, that's good. I mean, obviously, the brokenness of relationships is the thing that we're talking about with the need for forgiveness, holiday yeah. season coming up. Thanksgiving, Christmas, what is, what is it all about? It's about giving, right? And I think one of the greatest gifts that you can give to someone, and I would encourage every person to think about that, is the gift of forgiveness. It's good, man. You know, giving someone, you may not have a lot to give to someone, but if you have really gotten to a place, and I'm not talking about the sweep it under the carpet type of forgiveness, I'm talking about the gut-wrenching time in prayer, looking at what the Bible may have to say, reading articles, talking to some spiritual leaders, talking to some family members, whoever, whoever inspires you, encourages you, because it's real easy to get into a dark place. It's really easy to get into negative thinking. And in this holiday time, I'd just say if, you know, if the person that you have offense with is still around and you feel that the trauma is not such that trying to reach out to them would be more harm than good, I would just encourage every person that's listened to this podcast to just take some time, go through the mm. stuff that we talked about today, and just really try to to think through some of this stuff and see how it might apply to your life. That's good, man. Well, that was the RLTK Phoenix podcast. If you enjoyed what you heard, go ahead and share on social, follow yeah. us on Instagram, like us on Facebook, or subscribe to us at YouTube. You can basically find us under RLTKPHX if you type mm -hmm. that in on any of those platforms. 
you'll find us. This podcast is on all the major uh, yeah. podcasting places, iTunes, Spotify, you name it, it's there. Mm-hmm. So you can you can share it from there as well. Hope you guys enjoyed today. We'll be back soon. We love y'all. Appreciate you listening. Take care. Peace. Blessings.